Hola, bonjour, hello. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's possible to have a word language class where instead of teaching the language, the rules, and the vocab, you and your students use the language to enjoy learning about each other and the world? I hope your answer is a big yes, because that's exactly what you will discover inside Growing with Proficiency, the podcast. My name is Claudia Elliott, a Spanish teacher born and raised in Colombia, who is as passionate as you are to support our learners to grow in their proficiency and cultural competence. My goal is that in this podcast, you find clarity, strategies, ideas, and inspiration that you can bring into your classroom the next day. Are you ready? Get comfortable while I grab my cafecito colombiano and let's start this conversation now. Hola, bonjour, hello. Welcome to a new episode of Growing with Proficiency, the podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about PQAs or personalized questions and answers. Now, I learned about PQAs a few years ago, but it's really by using them in my class that I have seen the power that PQAs can have. And I believe that is one of those skills that we really need to work on because they, we will use them no matter what the level is, no matter what our content is, no matter about what the schools are, the curriculum that we're covering. PQAs are one of those strategies that should be in the in the belt of any teacher. So that's why I decided to record this episode today. And basically the background of this episode was something that happened a week ago. I was invited to do a training for this incredible group of teachers in an international school. And it was a one day and a half training. And as a part of the training, I decided to offer a demo class. I really want them to see everything that I was talking like in real life, in action. So I talked to them and they were like, of course, this is going to be great because the, their students started that same week. So I was going to go on a Thursday and their first class was going to be on Tuesday. Brand new students, Spanish one. I was really excited. I have been doing things similarly in other conferences, but I haven't done it as part of an, a training. And this was very different. This is a school that I have never taught. I've never taught in an international school. I have never been in the school or have international students. I've been teaching uh, for 10 years in the same school. The last 10 years I've been in the same school. So I get to know a lot about the culture of the school, how kind of like where my students are coming from. And that, without me realizing it until last week, really gave me a lot. And this was going to be different, but I was ready to take the risk because I thought that it was very important for the teachers to see all these principles and ideas and strategies in action, but also see how it's not perfect, right? Like how this idea that is all perfect and rainbows and unicorns and everything goes great is not realistic. And I just wanted to put myself there, be totally vulnerable and really help and have a debrief with my teachers, with the teachers that I was helping them uh, about what I was doing in class and why I was doing in class and the reasons behind and when I struggled and how I overcame those struggles. So I was ready. 
before we start the class, I have one teacher who is the teacher of this class who told me, you know what? I was um, doing my first lesson with the students and I realized that the use of cognates was not like my first to go strategy because they're international students. So their first language for most of them is not English. And I was like shocked, like, oh, right. (laughs) It's an international school. And I just never thought about it. So as soon as I opened the door of that class, I just knew it was so different than my classes. I saw the kids, the kids were like super nice, very friendly, but they were coming from all over the world. And you could see like the groups that they had, it was based on kind of like proximity, where they're from or the language, the first language that they share, and they were using different languages, which was super awesome. But then you realize that they're not going to share all this culture that you have or that I have in my class. Right, like usually in the fall, we're talking about football because of course, football. We also talk about, do you rather have Instagram or Snapchat? But but a lot of these kids don't use Instagram or Snapchat. They use different uh, in- social media outlets. And I was like, oh my goodness. So at that point, I knew that I was, what I was preparing for that specific class wasn't going to happen. Like I needed to lean on different things. And guess what I decided to do? A ton of PQAs. Because at the end of the day, we're all human beings (laughs) in a class, in a space. And I know that if we can start finding connections among ourselves, it will create a better place and a better space for us to facilitate the language. So at that point, I just really focus on getting to know my students? How can I connect with them? How can I have them connect among each other? Because they were like little islands, right? Like they were like, you didn't see uh, uh, borders, but there were borders. Like they were like these groups of students because they were coming from different places with different experiences. And of course, you're going to always like gravitate to whatever is familiar to you. And it was evident. So I lean on PQAs. And after that um, class, I said, you know what? I really need to record an episode about PQAs because PQAs, personalized questions and answers, is something that we do every single day in our lives, right? Like we ask questions all the time to our family, our friends, everybody at the store all the time. But when we come to our class, it has a little twist because we are there for a specific purpose and it's a school. And then because we may not have the same linguistic resources that we may have in our daily life. So I want you to get a pencil or a paper. And if you are driving while you're listening to this episode, I want you to come back to this because it really has a ton of great ideas for you to keep using PQAs to start using PQAs or maybe add more to your PQAs. Okay, so let's start. Now, what is a PQA? PQA are just questions that you ask to your students about themselves in the target language. But this is the specific part that I need you to like really, really like pay attention. These PQAs has a purpose and the purpose of these PQAs are to know more about our students and about us. Or 
to have their opinion about a specific topic, but it's all about getting to know each other better, learning from each other. And that is the main importance about PQAs in my view. Now, the purpose of asking these questions is not to practice language. And I keep saying this in this uh, podcast. We use language. Of course we use. We need the language to ask the question. We need the language to answer the question. But when I'm writing these questions, when I'm asking these questions, my intention, my attention is always to connecting with my students, understanding, learning from them, and helping them to learn from each other. Uh, When I'm thinking about this a definition, I always go back to a quote that I really like from Dr. Bill Van Patten. And he was talking about how we can, he's answering a question in an interview about how can we engage students more in our classes. And he says, start making the classroom more about communication and the students and less about the language itself. If you focus on the people in the classroom, the teacher and the students, what they can communicate about and how they can communicate about it, you will make a giant stride towards making classroom much more interactive, fun, and enticing. Isn't that the truth? So when we use PQAs to get to know our students, to focus on the people in the classroom more than the language, we are going to have more engaged students because it's talking about us. And then uh, Dr. Bill Van Patten adds, really emphasizing the shift from teaching the language to teaching people through the language. Oh my gosh, I, I really love that quote. It really makes me think about what is my role in the class and how I have like shift from, you know, being the Spanish teacher to facilitating and coaching and understanding how can I support my students to be able to understand the language that we're using and to support them to use the language because I know that they love to use the language. Okay, so now we have clarity of PQA. So what is a good PQA and what is maybe not a great PQA? So remember, we're trying to learn about our students through a PQA. So for example, if I ask my students, uh, what is the color of my shirt or your shirt? That wouldn't be a great PQA because it's obvious. I mean, we can see it. So I think when we're asking those questions, we're really trying to either check for comprehension, which is perfectly fine, or we're practicing maybe the colors. But we really not wanted to learn about the students. But we can ask instead is, what color do you prefer? Do you prefer blue or green? And those questions are really more directed to find out more about our students. So that is kind of like a big difference of what type of PQAs we want to ask. Now, I have a three-question test for my PQAs. Every time that I'm writing a PQA or I'm asking a PQA on the spot inside my class, I want to ask myself three questions. So I know that that question, my PQA, is effective. So the first one is, is it comprehensible? Do my students understand the question? Because if they don't understand the question, they will not answer the question. So the first one is, 
Is my question comprehensible? The second one, is this question relatable? Is something that they will say something about it? Would they have something to say about it? And that is, for me, very important because sometimes we ask questions that they're like, what are you asking that for? Like, what what did you mean? It's like so unrelatable. So the second one is, is this relatable? And sometimes it takes a little bit of creativity to ask a question that can seem relatable, even if our goal is a little bit distant and is a way to hook them and move them to a topic that they may not find relatable at the beginning. And the third one, so important. What do my students need to answer the question, right? Because if I ask a question and my question is comprehensible, they have a ton to say to answer that question. But if they don't have the resources to answer the question in the target language, then I'm going to have students to have to lean in their first language, which is not totally terrible because there are some spaces and some places for that. I'm not saying just don't use the first language. What I'm saying is if I want them to try to use the target language and if I want them to use Spanish in my class, I need to think about how can I, how can I help them? How can I support them so they can answer the question in the target language if that is my goal? Okay. So let's talk about that third, third part because that is what, the one that it may cause the most, um, I don't know, challenge for us, especially in the novice level. So when we are asking those questions, we can say, okay, so how can my students answer this question? And I want you to be thinking, in different ways. So we're used to think, okay, we only answer questions by using words, but do we? We can answer questions by doing something else. You can ask your students to answer your question by drawing, ah, like a car talk, where you ask them a question and they will draw their answer. And in that drawing, they can give you a ton of details that they may not be able to give it to you when you are using the language because they don't have that yet. The second way is, can they do it by moving? Huh. So think about it. So if you have four corners, they can move to each corner depending on the answer. You can have them to move right or left. You can have them to raise the hand, the right hand or raise the left hand. So we can be creative when we ask our students to answer questions. We can also use a lot of technology, right? Like a lot of polls everywhere, a poll everywhere, and there are a Mentimeter, and then many tools where we can have them to answer personalized questions using uh, any one of the um, web resources, the tools that we have available. So those are some things that I want you to think about when we're doing PQAs. Now, when we want, when we don't want to draw them or we want, don't want them to move or we don't want to use a tech tool or we just want them to use language, can we just be very intentional about the type of questions that we ask? Of course we can. So let's move to how we can, we're going to focus on those, right? Like, so think about that. You don't need, students don't need to only use language to answer questions. So then you have like a huge choices, amount of choices for you to ask them to answer the questions. But let's talk about, 
oh no, I want them to answer with language. Okay, so let's talk about how we can engage students and have them answer with language. So the first one is, let's ask a question and let's ask questions that provide choice instead of open-ended questions, especially in the novice level. So it would be so much better to say, instead of saying, what do you want to be after you graduate from high school? You can say, Ooh, would you rather be an influencer or an artist after you graduate from high school? Huh, that's interesting because you're giving them choices. So instead of saying, oh, what is your favorite season? You can ask, oh, do you like summer or do you like winter? So you are giving them the language. So when I'm thinking and when I'm writing my, my PQAs for all my levels, I'm thinking about, okay, so I need to give them choices. And I really want to start with those choices, uh, either or questions, because I think it helps them to like lower their affective filter and feel like, okay, we can participate in this conversation. So you ask a question and ask a question that you may provide uh, options for them. Okay. After you ask the question, wait. I, I work really hard with my students the first month in class to, with um, signals uh, for answering questions. Why? Because I want to give my students processing time. I cannot ask a, a, a question to my entire class without allowing that for processing time. Otherwise, I'm going to have the same students answer the questions all the time. And it's going to be my, my um, more proficient students. So I want my students to wait. So when I ask a question, I put my hand up like a stop. And I just ask the question with my hand up showing a stop. So nobody can answer my question. So I ask the question, put my hand up, stop. And I ask the question again. And I scan my room. Why? Because I want to know if my question was comprehensible. And if I have any doubt, I will just write the word in our common language or ask somebody to clarify what I'm asking. But I don't want to ask a question that my students don't understand because then I'm going to have a really low level of engagement in my class. And then I'm going to raise their effective filter. Now, whenever I ask the question, probably I ask once or twice or three times and I have a silence. We need to be okay with silence, by the way, <laughs> because silence is good. They are thinking about it, right? Like they're thinking about it. They're thinking about the question. That's a good thing. And I have my hands up. And then I do this. If I want have a choral response, I say classe, and then I put my hand down. And that is an indication for my classes to answer as a choral response. If it's a personal question, like a call, call, I will say the name of the, of the student, or I will let my students raise their hand. Now, Let's talk about cold calls for a second. When in the past, I use cold calls and cold calls are basically questions that you ask a student without announcing, right? Like you, you ask your question and then you say, Megan, and then Megan has to answer the question, right? Uh, they can be very intimidating. <laughs> so I try to be very intentional with my cold calls questions. Do I ask them? Yes, I do. But I'm always checking to make sure that my student has the answer. So I need to get this, the attention of my students. I need to have the body language 
that my student is understanding. I need to have like as a high level of certainty that my student will be able to answer the question. Now, all of all the time they answer a question. I mean, like most of the time for me, they do. Sometimes they don't, and I quickly go to the rescue. I don't want them to put them out of the spot, but I also want them to be alert, right? Like, so it's this balance between I want them to be alert. I want them to know that I want them to answer, that I want them to pay attention, but I don't want you to put you at the spot. So it's kind of like this balance that is only by you being in your class and observing and getting to know your student is going to do it. Okay. Or I can say, raise your hand. So I ask a question. I repeat the question. I'm waiting. My hand is up. I'm, I don't want students to answer. And then I decide what type of question, if it's correct response, if it's a cold call, or if I allow them to raise their hands. And then when I get the answer, oh, I'm so interested. I am so interested. I lean on that. I was like, oh, interesante. And I narrate again the answer. And when I narrate again the answer, I really want to put emphasis in my voice that I'm so interested that, oh, this is a great answer because we want that. We want students to like forget that we're in Spanish class and start like having this conversation about whatever is the topic that we're having. And then after narrate that, I usually ask another student or I answer myself or I ask the class. Now, I want to incorporate more students in the conversation. Why? Because it's going to be like a class discussion, even if not everybody's participating. But I wanted to make it feel like it's a class discussion. And also because I want to expose my, my students to different forms, right? Like I want it to be the first form, the second form, the third form, the plural form, the they form. So I want them to be able to listen to that. And by incorporating more students, I will have more connections, I will have more engagement, and I will have more exposure to different forms of of the language, which is great. So that is how I do it. And then I follow up. I follow up with the next question. Now, I want to walk you through a little example of how to use this. So let's imagine that you're talking about what do we want to be after we finish high school? So my question would be, oh, would you like to be an influencer or an athlete? Now, what are my choices? It's depending on my class, right? So you know your classes and you know what is going to be the tendency. You have like a very highly intellectual students. So maybe you want to go with doctor and engineer. If you have like a very social kids that love to be in their phones all the time, maybe you want to be an influencer or a YouTuber or, you know, so you need to get to know your students to see what are going to be the choices that kind of feel more connected to your students. So then you wouldn't ask your students, oh, who else wants to be an influencer? And some of them are going to raise their hands and you're going to choose one. Oh, you want to be an influencer. Oh, that's awesome. So Megan wants to be an influencer and Luis wants to be an influencer. So Megan and Luis wants to be an influencer. Anybody else wants to be an athlete? And then you're going to have a student who raises their hand. Oh, so... Taylor wants to be an athlete. Okay, what sport, Taylor? Uh, do you do soccer or do you do baseball? Oh, baseball. Okay. So, and then you start following up, following up with questions for your students to answer in this PQA exercise. So I like to start with either or, but eventually I will just try to push them to the next level. Now, I really like how John Carver says that we need to have questions for all the levels in our classes. So it's really 
important for me to have those questions that is going to challenge some of my students, but also have a ton of questions that everyone can answer in the class. Giving them choices and allowing them for them to like participate in such a, in that way, it will help all your learners to be able to participate in the uh, PQA. Okay. Now, when can we do PQAs? So we do PQAs. I think, I believe that the, the success of PQAs is that if we do it often, right? Like if we have spaces in our, in, in our classes to have low stake conversation about daily things. I just truly believe that because I do have those conversations with my classes on a daily basis, when I have a different type of PQA that is a little bit more challenging and different, my students are ready because they know the process. They understand how we work. They understand that I'm going to have them to stop to, for do, for processing time. They understand that I'm going to give them options. They understand that I'm going to pull different op- opinions from students. So they're ready. They're ready to participate because we have done it so often on a daily basis. So when do I do it in daily basis? I ask them every day. The, my first question is, how are you doing? And I ask them every single day, how are you doing and why? And I always give them choice. How are you doing? I'm stressed. I'm happy. I'm tired. I am sad. And why? Because I have tests. I, have, I, I didn't sleep. I slept a lot. I have plans. I don't have plans. I um, It's a good day. It's a bad day. And every single day, we have a PQA about how we're doing in class. Right, So I'm building on the capacity for them to stay with me through PQAs. Then I have calendar talk. I do calendar talk every single day in my class. And in my calendar talk, you, I built already PQAs inside my calendar talk. So I ask them, are there any birthdays today? Are there any tests? So if you look at it, if you have uh, purchased any of my calendar talks, I do a calendar talk every single month. And I updated, um, and I have a new version of my calendar talks every single month. So you can find them on my TPT store. But if you look at those, you're going to see that each slide has PQAs. And I answer PQAs. Now, I have like, oh, I don't know, like seven maybe PQAs per slide, which is a lot. Do I ask all those questions every single day? No, I don't. But I choose two or three to ask to my class and they love it. They really, you know, like at the beginning of the year, you can see them just answering like really one or two. And then the more we do it at the end of the year, I mean, they really do great on those PQAs. So it's daily practice, right? Like for me, it's daily practice. I have created those spaces in my class. Sometimes they go really fast because my students don't want to share because it's a bad day, whatever it is. We don't have the energy, whatever it is, it's okay. But it's always there. So that day that a student needs something to say or has something to share, we have the space for that. Now, I also pick UAs for content. So let me tell you a little bit about pick UAs for content. So pick UAs for contents are a, a strategy that I use before we start a unit. And I do it for two purposes. The first purpose is to introduce target structure or target vocab that I want my students to listen or to understand before we start our unit because they're going to see it in our unit. So it's usually key words and key structures. So that is one. The second one is so we connect with that content. 
And remember what I said at the beginning that sometimes that my second question for like the, the test for to know if I have a good PQA is to talk about is it relatable? So sometimes when I look at my units, they might not be so obvious relatable to a 14 year old kid. So what I try to do with PQAs is to build that bridge between the topic that they're going to read about, listen about and my students through a PQA. Now, this is so, so important. And I think Ben Slavik said this and is sometimes I have a plan for my PQAs. <laughs> sometimes or many times I have, especially when it's related to content, I have a plan. I have my, my um, structures. I have my topic and I have a plan. I have a script of my PQAs of how I want them to go. But sometimes they don't go like that. And that is okay. So sometimes they start talking about something different. Some Sometimes something else kind of like hooks their interest. And I'm going to go with that. Because at the end, I need to remember that as long as we're using the language to talk about things that are interesting for my students, I'm going to have to change, right? Like, so I have to be flexible and okay with that. I'm always listening to my students and kind of like leaning on what they say to make, to follow up with the next question. So I do script my questions when I have my PQAs through content. I do have targeted structures and targeted vocab, but at the end, my students are going to kind of show me where we go and I can just move them around a little bit, but sometimes it just doesn't happen and that is okay. Okay. Now, what do you do after PQA? So if it's a PQA that you do for a routine, like I do for my social emotional learning checks or for my calendar talk, I don't do much. We just ask, talk, and then we move on. That's it. But when it's related to my topic, I like to do a write and discuss after my PQA. So I'm going to give you an example. I'm working on a unit for a um, rescue dog. It's about a rescue dog that uh, helped uh, find some kids in Colombia after a plane crash. And this rescue dog was like the hero, but so sadly he uh, disappeared in the jungle and nobody found him. But it's a great story. It's talking about, you know, just like how animals can be heroes in our lives and how animals are more than pets. And it's just a great story. So I'm going to tell, I'm writing on that for my uh, members of my academy and is um nice, great unit. So I'm writing the questions for PQAs and the questions for PQAs are going to be, do you have a dog? Is your dog big or small? Uh, is your dog um just, just play in your house or does your dog help other people in your house. And then I'm going to try to move to like service dogs and rescue dogs. Is that no, somebody here has a service dog? Uh, oh, uh, how is that your service dog helping you? And I'm going to try to just lead them to dog, of course, rescue, um, hero, uh, help. So those are like my words that I'm trying to focus on for this PQA. So after we talk about it with my class, and you know that my students are going to be super excited because they love dogs, they love animals, and they relate better with their animals sometimes with their human beings around. <laughs> so it's a great topic. So we talk about it. And after we do that, we are going to write a little text that is called 
the class and the animals. And we are going to write a little text talking about who has a dog, if we have any service dog, if our dogs only play with us or if they help us, how they can help us. And I will write a text. So in that text, I'm going to be super intentional to really use the structures and the vocab that my students are going to see later on when they read the story. So that is how I use PQAs and that's what I do after a PQA. Okay, so I hope that this episode is giving you a ton of ideas to start using PQAs, to keep using PQAs, or maybe to level up PQAs. And in our next episode, I'm going to keep talking about PQAs, but I'm going to focus on a specific strategy to use PQAs, and that is the STAR student interview. Are you excited? Okay, so if you haven't heard about STAR student interview, you need to come and tune in for our next episode. But also, I want you to check on my social media, Instagram or Facebook, because I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to ask you what questions do you have about STAR student interview or PQAs. And if you want to DM me, please send me a DM in Instagram or Facebook. I'm at Claudia M. Elliot, two L's, two T's. Or you can email me at Claudia at growingwithproficiency.com. Just send me those questions because I'm going to be, my next episode is going to be about PQAs, but specifically in start student interview. Because if you know me or you have following me for a while, you know that start student interview is another strategy that I use very often in my classes. Okay, that's it for today. I hope that you have a great rest of the week and I will see you in one week. Chao, nos vemos.